Chapter 5 Rebecca sat upon the Thran Temple's floating foundation. All around her, crystal footings stood, glinting darkly in the setting sun. They seemed like teeth in a huge bear trap, set to catch a lumbering god. Orange sunlight twisted through them and turned cold. Fire glimpsed through icicles. Rebecca shook her head, a shiver running through her. She had not anticipated this mood of her temple. Its other moods were wondrous. Before dawn, it caught the coming radiance and brought it down to the people of Halcyon. In daylight, it was a warming marble that gleamed like the city's own private sun. Even beneath blue clouds, the temple teased strands of red and yellow light from the rest and sent them down across the city. When thunderheads piled into the sky, the temple made one lightning strike into twenty. It peered into the malicious heart of the storm and terrified all inside the city, but also foretold the first break of sun through clouds. At sunset, though, in premonition of the coming night, a frigid, collisionous presence possessed the structure. Beaming gold became icy silver. Crimson flames became blankets of snow. Twice, Rebecca had tried to linger in the chill temple. The place had become a cave of ice. Moonlight and starlight had spun themselves into specters and wraiths. The temple that focused daylight and upon its worshippers did the same tonight, leaving the heart black and cold and haunted. Rebecca had stood at the center of her creation and striven to endure it. She could not. Was this truly a fault of design or art? An oracle sees what an oracle sees. Tonight, Rebecca was determined to remain, body weary with the day and skin dotted in sweat. She trembled. The malign presence, darkness incarnate, wrapped her and chilled her. Leaving was almost as terrible as remaining. Rebecca's architecture of ascension did not follow for pleasant departures. To leave any of her buildings meant regression, slipping back from sublimity to mundanity. All that was gained by entering was lost by leaving. This structure was the worst. It had the longest, most torturous descent of any building she had created, all of it in a region of soul-stealing dark and cold. With great promise comes great peril, Rebecca reminded herself. To invoke a private sun for her city, she had to invite also the vastness of a killing space. If I cannot bear the dark heart of my creation, how can I expect my city to? She drew an algid breath and braced herself against the night. It reached out and bodily laid hold of her. Its hand was heavy and implacable on her shoulder, and it spun her about. There you are, an accusing voice. A shadow loomed before her. Yamoth, Rebecca gasped, her knees wanting to fold. He grabbed her arms to hold her up, and his fingers were icicles. She cursed. What are you doing? Stalking me about in the night. You terrified me. Didn't you hear me calling you? He asked. I was shouting all the way up the dome and spire. His hands were cold. She drew away from him. No, it's part of the design. The temple blocks out the sound of things below. It is supposed to have pulled free of the world and its shifting demands. Enough, Yamoth hushed gently. You should spend more time with people, Rebecca, and less with cold crystal. You love your ideas your designs, but you forget whom you are designing them for. I'm sorry. I get so in tune to my work, she said. But tonight is different. This is a vigil. It's a holy pilgrimage through darkness. I am thinking of the people. I think of divinity and humanity and the long hours ahead. I've come to get you. There is news. Grave news. Glacian! He is fine, Yamoth comforted. For the moment. Though the news does impact him, it impacts us all. What is it? Rebecca asked him, turning toward him. Not here, he said, taking her hand. His fingers now were warm. Below, in the infirmary, I want to tell you and Glaceon and Gix all at once.
there's a sedan chair waiting at the base of the council hall. I would have landed here, but... I don't want anyone to land a sedan chair here, Rebecca broke in. It destroys the symbolism. I know. You and your symbolism, Rebecca. You live in a world of ideas. And an attack on symbolism is for you as devastating as an earthquake is for the rest of us. I know you, my dear. I know that each building you design is meant to invite the rest of us to come live in your world of ideas. I know you build these things to bring us close to you. But with every crystal you place, you get farther away, Yamat said. Come with me tonight. Come back to the common world below. The world of contingency, as you call it. We have grave contingencies to discuss. Rebecca seemed still lost behind her eyes. She gnawed her lip and simply said, Yes. How could such demons have built this paradise? Gix wondered, strapped to his bed. The ceilings were clean. The bed was warm. The rooms were bright. The food was exquisite. The views, spectacular. But the citizens? They treat me like a hunk of meat. Yalmoth forever cut and stitched, impaled and infused. He did it all with feverish intensity, seeing the disease but not the man. Glaceon was worse. He was the monster the rest of the citizens aspired to become. Bitter. Selfish. Paranoid. Brutal. Demons, the young man sighed. Shut up, growled Glaceon. The man laid still back toward the untouchable. It's true. You're a bunch of demons. You say that only because you don't belong here. We've built this city, and we belong in it, Glaceon coughed spastically. You and your kind built what you built in the caves, and that is where you belong. We didn't build the caves. You did. Gix spat back. It's the dark shadow of Halcyon. You can't make a perfect place. You can't make a perfect life. Life is all jumbled up. The good and the bad. All you can do is separate them. Put all the good stuff in one place and the bad stuff in another. To build your beautiful city, you had to make the caves of the damned. To make your beautiful citizens, you had to throw half the people into the garbage. We didn't throw you into the garbage. You gravitated toward it, Glaceon corrected. We aren't going to be garbage any longer. We're climbing out, Glaceon. We're climbing out and looking for the people who shoved us down there. We're going to kill you. Glaceon laughed bitterly. The sound was almost indistinguishable from his cough. You're going to kill us, flooding up the sewers like plague rats. Like rats, you'll end up being stomped back into the ground. You and your people are doomed, Glaceon. You and your people are deluded, Gix. We may all be deluded and doomed came a voice at the door. Yalmoth strode into the room. His intense eyes seemed to drag the shadows in with him. He cast a looming image across the walls and ceilings. I have some grave news. How are you, Glaceon? interrupted Rebecca, rushing to kneel by her husband's bedside. In a ritual well established over the last months, she wrapped a scarf over her nose and mouth and placed a clean cloth over her hands before touching him. Worry filled her eyes. You look worse than this morning. It's this flea-bitten stoat, Glaceon said, flinging a wary hand back toward Gix, yammering on with grand delusions of genocide. They may not be delusions, Yalmont said. I found the cause of the illness. It could well mean the death of all of us in Halcyon. His eyes were in twin spikes. And in the caves below, Glaceon growled. Well, out with it. We're dying anyway. Power stones, Yalmont said. In great concentration, their energies are toxic. What? Glaceon Rebecca chorused. Toxic, Yamoth repeated. 
He fished a crimson stone from his pocket, a glimmering gem the size of a man's heart. A single stone gives very little danger, but in combination, in devices such as the sedan chairs and whispered doorways in the very homes and streets of Halcyon, they produce cross-currents that disrupt the fabric of growing things. This is the origin of Thysis. Your flesh degenerates because it cannot regenerate. The influence of power stones can prevent natural healing, even the provision of tissues with life-sustaining nutrients. That's impossible, Glaceon said, hacking. Why isn't your hand withering, then? Every creature has a resistance to these effects, just as every creature has a resistance to other disease. Some might even be immune. But for most of us, our resistance can be wore down by constant exposure to power stone matrices. And once the resistance is gone, our tissues break down and die. Eventually, so do we, Yama said grimly. His solemn tones were interrupted by giggles from Gix. All eyes turned hatefully on the man. Even Glaceon rolled over to glare. Gix was only encouraged by their ire. He laughed delightedly. I told you! You're doomed! The stones that make your beautiful city possible are killing you! You can't remain here and live! You can't get rid of the power stones without your city collapsing! You won't return to living like every other person in the world! He stopped to shriek with laughter. You're killing yourselves! and you're not even willing to stop. Your people are just as doomed, Yama said soberly. Glaceon might have at last caught the disease when you stabbed him with a power stone, but his resistance had been worn down by long work in the manor rig. And that's why the disease runs rampant in the caves of the damned. The energies in the manor rig are poisoning the untouchables. In a moment, Gix's glee turned to rage. Demons! That is what you are! Demons! Rebecca stood, approaching Yalmoth, she dragged the scarf from her face, imploring eyes fixed on him. This can't be true. I have been building the temple for two years now. It is the most powerful matrix of power stones ever assembled. I show no signs of the disease. You may be immune, Yama said gently. That is my hope. The fact you were so long exposed to your husband without catching it makes me think you are. After all, it is contagious, person to person. The ravage resistance of one ravages the resistance of another. Infected flesh infects other flesh. He clutched her hands in his own. I am hoping you are immune. Lies! Damned lies! Glaceon shouted. You came here, an outcast, a criminal. You came because we were desperate to try anything, even your monstrous ideas of healing. Now you tell us power stones kill? I suppose you want to do away with all artifacts. No, this cannot be true. For thousands of years, we lived with power stones. For thousands of years, healers, true healers, have made us whole with life force, have not carved us up like butchered boars. Those healers have failed you, Yama said, fire flaring in his eyes. Their very touch is poisoning you, more magic to eat away your flesh. I offer the only hope. I have found the source of the disease. I will find the cure for it. I will save your miserable life, Glaceon, and yours. Geeks. I will save the lives of the citizens and the damned. I will discover a way to make all of us immune so that the city can live, so that the Thran Temple can be the glory of all ages, so that a whole race will leap into the future and not cower back from it. That is what this witch doctor will do. You'll do none of that, hissed Glaceon. You're incapable of healing, only of dissecting. I'll see you banished again. Wait, Glaceon, interrupted Rebecca. I'll rally the elders against you to declare you a criminal of the state. Please, husband. To outlaw your practices, your lies. Are they lies? 
shouted Yamoth. He strode to a drawer, drew a scalpel, and slashed down at Gix. The blade cut through the straps from the man's shoulders to his hip. Another deft cut laid open the young man's bedclothes, revealing a pale chest and belly marked with legions. Yamoth set the crimson power stone on the man's sternum and held Gix's hand down at his side. Even as they all watched, the skin beneath the stone turned brown and cracked. Blood and lymph welled upward, the corruption spreading slowly outward. Lies. Lies. Gix shrieked, twisting in agony. Stop! Yamoth! Rebecca cried, lunging in to grab the stone. She lifted it, but Yamoth caught her wrist. He glared piercingly into her eyes. Is it a lie? Is it? No, she gasped, staring incredulously at the man's fist. Let go! You're hurting me! You're hurting him! Maybe you are our only hope. Maybe you'll find the cure. But don't forget the people you're finding the cure for. Those words seemed to stab into Yawmoth. His clenched fingers trembled on her wrist. Then suddenly, he released her hand, rose, and strode to the door. He paused for a moment before striding through, turning back toward the woman and his two patients. Haunted eyes stared at Rebecca, and he simply said, Yes.